Hi, I'm Ayelet Marinovich, your host. Welcome back to Learn With Less, a family enrichment program for parents, caregivers, and infants and toddlers of all developmental levels. In this podcast series, we get together to sing a few songs, discuss some ideas for play, outline insight about early development, and talk about life as a parent or caregiver in these early years of parenthood. The mission of Learn With Less is to provide confidence to new parents that you can support and connect with your baby or toddler without having to buy a single toy. This episode was recorded with a live audience of parents and caregivers as an added benefit to those participating in the Learn With Less curriculum online family program. If you'd like to learn more about learning with less or about my best-selling books, Understanding Your Baby or Understanding Your Toddler, open a new tab in your browser to my website, learnwithless.com. If you enjoyed this episode, I hope you will take just a moment of your time to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. This allows us to reach more families and to share our values of education, inclusivity, simplicity, and respect when it comes to early learning and early parenthood. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here today. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. It's nice to see you here. We can start by saying hello to the people who are with us. Hello to a yellet. Hello to the singers. Hello, 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 hello. Hello to the babies. Hello to the toddlers. Hello, hello, hello. Since I don't know your name, I will help you sing the song and you can fill it in. Ready? Hello to your child's name. Hello to your name. Hello, 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 hello. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Today, we've got a special guest on the Learn With Less podcast, Parijat Deshpande, a leading high-risk pregnancy expert. Let's welcome her to the show. Hello to Parijat, hello to Parijat, hello, 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 hello to all our new friends, hello to all our old friends, hello, 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 one last time. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here today. Hello everybody, hello everybody, it's nice to see you here. Today, I am speaking with Parijat Deshpande, a leading pregnancy expert, mind-body health specialist, trauma professional, and author who teaches women how to deactivate their stress response before, during, and after a high pregnancy so they can give their baby a strong start to life. Her unique approach has served hundreds of women to manage pregnancy complications and reclaim a safety and trust in their body that they thought was eroded forever. Parjat is the author of a best-selling book, Pregnancy Brain, a mind-body approach to stress management during a high-risk pregnancy. She also is the host of the popular podcast, Delivering Miracle, that discusses the real raw side of family building, including infertility, loss, high-risk pregnancy, bed rest, prematurity, and healing once baby comes home. Parjat, I am so thrilled to have you on. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I've asked you to come on today to discuss about some tips parenting a child with needs. But first, I would love to just hear a bit about your own background and how you came into work that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I am classically trained in clinical psychology. That is not where I thought I would end up. I thought I would end up as an OBGYN. That was kind of my dream, dream career since I was a really little kid. Chemistry and I realized did not we don't get along <laughs> at all. And so I went kind of in the psychology route. But I was very interested in women's health from a very, very young age. And it wasn't until my own experience with fertility treatment, losses, a very high-risk pregnancy, months on bed rest, and an extremely preterm delivery with months in the NICU afterwards that really shifted the way that I wanted to. And I I, I guess I, I felt I was supposed to be in this world and the work I was supposed to do in this world was to show women exactly how much power we have in our bodies. And, I th and at first, you know, my focus and I mean, my primary focus really is before and during pregnancy, but it really wasn't until after I brought my son home from the NICU and I, you know, the first two and a half years of his life were just so intense with medical care for him that it became so apparent to me that the tools, techniques, and the power that we have in our bodies as we're trying to get pregnant and as we are trying to stay pregnant are still the same types of strengths that we have to be really, really strong advocates for our children as we are raising them as infants, toddlers, and, and beyond. And so it really so much of this work is inspired by my personal journey and just seeing how little uh, empowering messages are out there and how much power we have. And so it just, that disconnect never sat well with me. And, and so that's how, that's how we're here. Short story, short version of that. I love it. I mean, I think there are certain things like person centered language and, and, you know, things that we can do for children, say with disabilities and ways that families can feel more empowered talking about is really just advocating for oneself, yes. one's management. So tell us because we have quite a variety of listeners here with their own, you know, various backstories, what might it actually mean to be parenting with medical needs? Can you give us sort of a brief definition of like, what are some of those things that might look like? Yeah, it's such a wide range of things, right? It could be uh, having a child with food allergies, having a child with asthma, having a child with developmental disabilities, having a child with learning disabilities, having a child with anxiety or depression, um, having a child with digestive trouble. I mean, it's really such a wide, wide range. And I like to keep that really open to the definition that the parent comes in with, because Oftentimes we can't see the medical needs on the outside and the child might look completely uh, fine to the untrained eye, so to speak, when the parents know a completely different story uh, from by living with them at home and by raising them at home. And so I think it's really important for us to honor what that definition is for each parent and each family. Mm, yeah, so important. And then for those families who are parenting a child with medical needs, whatever that might mean, what are some of the biggest obstacles you see families might be dealing with? I think there's a number of them. One I find to be the, the maybe not the first one that comes up, but often is the most prevalent is the loneliness around this style of parenting um, and whatever that may be, because depending on the needs of the child, what you have to do as a parent is is 
on top of what you have to do with all the typical things to take care of a child. You know, if you're changing diapers, you're feeding, you're brushing teeth, you're, you know, teaching them how to count, something like that. And then on top of that, you've got all these medical needs. And there's there's a loneliness around that because it's really hard to connect with other parents who may not understand. And I can speak from personal experience too, is there's sometimes a pull for from our loved ones to go, but she's fine now, right? But he doesn't need so much now, right? He's he's three, she's six, like it's it's over now, right? And for for families who have children who have either chronic medical needs or ones that are complex and will take time to resolve if they resolve at all, uh, there's that pressure of needing to appease or kind of comfort people in our life, which then further adds to that loneliness uh, without being able to truly share what the challenges are, what the realities are of raising a child with complex needs, whatever those might be. And so I think that it, that's kind of the backdrop against which so much else happens. There's the logistical issues of trying to coordinate appointments. That that can be so challenging. The mental load of that can be so exhausting. Trying to uh, figure out appointment schedules between certain specialists. If you're working, then trying to figure that out with work and your employer. If you're employed uh, at, a, say, a corporate job, trying to figure out just the moving parts of schedules is another aspect of it that comes up, which can be very, very exhausting. Uh, on top of that, you've got the management of medical bills and coordinating that with insurance coverage. I, I The first two years of my son's life, I probably spent about five hours a month on the phone with insurance, trying to figure out why all the bills were messed up or why certain charges were, you know, given there's so many mistakes that kept happening. Uh, and that is in itself also almost a full-time job to do all of that. And so I think there's so many different factors. And then you've got the emotional side of it. There's a tremendous amount of grief that needs to be grieved. There's a loss in um, having a child and watching a child grow up with any type of medical needs. That's not something any parent wanted for their child, right? It's not something that you hoped for. It's not something you wished for. As a parent, sometimes we can see a few steps ahead, which is a blessing and a curse at the same time of what these medical needs might mean for our child as they become toddlers and young children and then move on to school age. And, and there's a lot of loss in that, in your role as what you thought it would be as a parent, uh, what you hoped for for your child. And there's a there's a lot of loss that needs to be grieved and there's often not enough space or uh, allowance to, to actually grieve that because there's a pressure of, well, but at least your child's alive. Well, at least your child can walk. Well, at least, and there's so much pressure to overcome that. Um, I like to call it toxic positivity, which can be very, um, very difficult for parents who are raising children with medical needs to overcome and to live with when oftentimes what we need is to be able to talk about it and go, this day is hard. This week is hard. This phase is hard. And that's, this is why, and to have a safe place to be able to do that. So I, I it's very nuanced and a lot of different layers kind of built on top of each other 
that impact the experience of raising yeah. a child with well, medical needs. Yeah. Thank you for breaking that down for us. I think it's really important to hear all of it. As we said, like the audience base for this show is many of our listeners know exactly what you're talking about and are not as, as attuned to those experiences. So thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, we're just going to take a brief break to hear a word from our sponsors. And then we're going to hear a few tips from Parjat for families facing these challenges and for loved ones who are facing challenges like these. And we'll hear about her favorite resources to share with families. As a parent or caregiver of an infant or toddler, you want to make sure you're doing it right. But everywhere you look, there's another learning toy or fancy subscription box that you don't have room for and that your child seems to lose interest in all too quickly. You want to support your infant or toddler's development, but you struggle to find the right toys or enough time and energy to do it. You just want the map to get through these first few years and find more joy in the journey as well. If any of this rings true for you, you're in the right place. Right now, I am giving away my free infant and toddler development blueprint, a straightforward guide that will help you discover the four major areas of development in the first three years of life and what's involved in each of those areas. Find out what you can do to support development using what you already have in your home. Learn how to follow my four-pillar framework to maximize the time you are already spending with your tiny human and much, much more. If you are ready to boost your infant or toddler's learning, stop feeling like you're winging it all the time and simplify your life Head to learnwithless.com slash blueprint and download my free infant toddler development blueprint today. Okay, Parjat, let's hear some of your most valuable tips for families facing these sorts of challenges. Yeah, I think the number one thing is actually tied to the last thing that I just said, which is give yourself the opportunity to grieve the losses. Because as long as we try to avoid that and we, and it's so easy, I say this purely from personal experience as well, as long as we uh, of try to avoid that and we just stick with the go, go, go of the logistics and the routines and the therapies and the whatever is required, the appointments and all of that, which is very easy to fill up our time with, that grief sits deep and it gets deeper and deeper and deeper and it comes out with uh, red flags that show up often as your own medical needs, new compl- uh, diagnoses that you come up with, new illnesses that you end up happening having, or you end up getting sick more often. And you know, if you've got a child with medical needs, you have even less bandwidth to be able to get sick or be knocked down for even a day or two because your life is busy. So really, really allowing yourself to experience and release that grief that comes with parenting a child with medical complications that you had wished they'd never had. I think that has to be number one. I was just going to say, what are some of the ways that you see people, people doing that? One of a really great way to do that is to find uh, people who you can really resonate with and who can hold that space for you. Sometimes that's a professional. Sometimes that's another parent who has either a child going through the same type of thing or something completely different. I can tell you from my personal experience, sometimes the parents who really understood the most about what I'm going through, many of them were micro preemie moms and our friendship is invaluable, especially as we get into RSV and flu season in the wintertime. But there were also parents who had 
children with different medical complications than my child did, but really understood the lifestyle shifts that it required in order to uh, care for our children, even though the diagnoses were completely different. So I think number one is connecting yourself with people who really speak your language and, and keep an open mind that again, the diagnoses for your children may be different, but if they understand kind of the underlying challenges, they may be fantastic supports for that. I think secondly, in order to release some of that grief, it requires you to be in a place where you can uh, allow yourself to really tolerate that feeling. It, and I'll I say this all the time on my podcast. I say this all the time to my clients. So I'll say this here too. Grief is painful. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. If it hurts, if it doesn't feel good, it, it, that is the point of grief, so to speak. It is, it is painful. And the more you release it, the less painful it becomes. Time does not heal it. It will be in getting it out of your body. I've got several techniques yeah. that I teach my clients on how to do that uh, because it is so essential. And it's not something you can talk yourself out of, although sharing your experiences is wholly invaluable. Um, but it's really just about allowing your body to lean into that, really feeling it, and then letting it go. And it's hard. It is really hard. And it is also extremely beneficial for you to be a, be a better and more present parent and for you to also protect your health as you are caring for your children. So I think that would be kind of my my number one thing if where to start would be right there. Great. What other tips do you have for our audience? Yeah, I think the second thing is, and this is the this is one that I wished I had learned myself sooner, is to delegate. Uh, there are certain things that only you can do for your child. Totally fine, right? That's great. That is your spot. That's where you need to be. What other things do you have in your life that you personally do not need to do? right? Is it washing dishes? Is it doing laundry? Is it, it could even be making the appointments. Do you have somebody in your life or could you hire somebody to make these appointments and juggle the calendar for you? There are patient advocates around the country who actually will make phone calls on your behalf to insurance companies and handle that nonsense, if you will, on your behalf. You know, where can you find moments in your life? And I know that sometimes we, we hold on to some of these day-to-day -day tasks as a way to maintain some semblance of a life that we'd wished we'd had. Again, it goes back to grieving those losses, right? Of, well, I thought I would be the, the mom who cooked dinner every single night. And I really wanted that for my children. But truthfully, given the circumstances, maybe that's not possible right now at this stage of life. And that's okay. Can you have somebody else cook for you? Can you order some meal kits, order out, whatever that might be. Find those places to delegate because the mental load that you have as a parent raising a child with any type of medical needs is much higher than the mental load of a parent who does not have child with complications. And I, I think it's very easy to downplay that because we can't see it anywhere, right? But if you sit down and you actually make a list of every single thing that you're holding on in your head every single day, it is much more than which appointment do we need? Do we need to update the equipment, the medical equipment? Do I need to call insurance? There's so you'll be shocked at how much is in your head. And the more you can kind of take that out of your head and give it to somebody else for the things that you don't need to do that can be done 
any time by anybody else, you are going to start to feel a relief. Uh, You'll start noticing your body will relax a little bit more and your shoulders will drop a little bit more. And that's not because you're just breathing more deeply. It is just literally because you can imagine the bricks you're carrying on your shoulders. You're just kind of handing a few of them off. And so the weight will alleviate a little bit. Yeah. And I love that visual. (laughs) Um, What are your best tips loved ones of families facing these challenges because we've talked about so much of the people who are actually dealing with it and it's so important to have a few of those and if you're not ready to move on if you have any more tips for for these guys please go ahead i want to make sure that we give to to loved ones of family members who are going through this we want to support Totally. I've got a couple that I find to be really helpful and really powerful in strengthening your relationship with your loved one. Uh, So if you are a loved one, if you are somebody who has a loved one who's parenting a child with medical needs, one thing I often recommend is watch how you ask your questions. Uh, So instead of asking, when's your baby coming home from the hospital? When's she going to be off oxygen? When's he going to be able to drink milk again? When is she going to be able, you know, instead of asking that, because oftentimes the parents don't know and the not knowing is causing tremendous amount of uncertainty and tension and stress and anxiety for parents that they they don't often share, but they live with every day. So instead of asking that way, I, I often recommend asking about their current situation. How is your child in the hospital? How is the speech therapy going? Hey, I know you said that you took them to the audiologist. How did that appointment go? And so instead of focusing on that ultimate outcome, because we don't know what that's going to be, there are going to be some children who, who, uh, whose symptoms improve or the diagnosis is just is gone completely because they're so quote unquote healed. And there are going to be some children where they're going to live with us for the rest of their life. And we do not know sometimes who those kids are. And so instead of focusing on the outcomes, uh, it's, I, I find it to be so much more supportive to focus on where they are right now. Ha- ask them about what's going on ask them about what's the big thing that they're dealing with, what's the big win for the week. uh, And you'll be surprised to hear what these families are celebrating that is so meaningful to them. You know, maybe it's a walk to the park. Maybe it's the fact that the child ate macaroni for the first time. Maybe it's the fact that the child put her feet on grass for the first time or that they could read a sentence for the first time, even though they're much older than you'd expect. It doesn't matter. These moments are so special. And I can tell you from personal experience, we like to share this and we love to celebrate with our loved ones. And so asking us where we are in the moment is so, so helpful. That's great. It's such a good place to start. What yeah. else What else can families and friends looking for additional support? What can they do? I think the other thing, the second one is more on the practical side, which is tied to the delegation is sometimes it is very hard to delegate. I have a very hard time delegating. Uh, I just, the idea of even thinking of what to send to somebody and then asking to do it is, is hard. I find it still very challenging. So if you can see it from the outside and go, oh gosh, I haven't seen this person in a couple days. Maybe I'll come by and bring them dinner. Maybe I'll call and check in and see how they're doing. Maybe I can invite them to something so that they get a break giving trusting that you can probably see something that they're able to benefit from your help with and then offering that help and really being there checking in frequently coming by and visiting if it's safe and 
for the health of the child for you to do so. Cause I know that's not always the case, but be just really being there and offering as much practical support as you can. Maybe it's doing play dates at your house. So, so the parents get a little break, whatever that might be walking the dog, all of that helps so, so much really just relieving that mental load for the parents. Yeah. A good one that, um, a friend of mine and I were recently talking about was like just replenishing basics in the fridge. What are you oh, out of? Bring them totally. away. So yep. simple, right? Yep. <laughs> but yep. makes such a big difference. So yeah, fantastic. Any other things that you'd like to share with us? I, I think the only other thing I would say is that there are a lot of challenges and there are also so many moments of just in incredible eye-opening moments of of just wow you know it just takes your breath away what the human body and the human spirit can do and so as the parent to really just when you have a moment like that when your child is doing the one thing you've been working on for so long or we're told they would never do or even some some semblance of that to really just Stop it all and just bathe in that moment because those are the moments that carry us through. And as parents of children who have medical complications, we know how few and far between those can be. And so we need, you know, that's kind of like our fuel to to boost us back up and to keep doing the, the things that we do out of love every day, but that are very exhausting and taxing on the mind and the body. And I think similarly for our, our family and friends is to continue to be open to what these moments are that we're celebrating because they may not look the same as what you expect for a child of whatever age it might be. These might be much smaller or much nuanced moments, but they're a really big deal for the family. And so join us in the celebration and really get a chance to understand what this means in the context of this child's life and this family's life. And, and in doing that, I think we create a really beautiful community that's so helpful to carry us through even during some of the darker days and the harder days because those ups and downs happen as we're raising our children with these needs and, and things are changing all the time. So true. Thank you. Parjat, let's hear some of your favorite resources that you'd like to recommend uh, to families or to loved ones looking for additional support. Yeah. You know, I recently came across, and now I can't think of the name of it, of course. So I will send it to you after. But there's a really great organization that has patient advocates available around the country. And I really, I just think that's such a fantastic resource to have because I, I said this earlier and I still looking back and thinking about those days, calling the insurance companies and coordinating all of that and doing three-way calls with, you know, the clinic and the insurance and this, it was, it, oh my God, I, I think it took years off my life. And so to be able to delegate that and to have somebody who knows the system very well and can do this on your behalf is so tremendously powerful. So I'll send you that link. Um, so you can send it out to your, your members. I, it completely just flew out of my head. <laughs> yeah, we'll certainly put it in the show notes as well. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, um, you know, because there's such a wide range, there's not one specific resource I have, but finding p parents like you who are living the life similar to you is super helpful. And I found that we there were actually groups on Meetup that I could find that weren't necessarily specifically for micropremie. And we tried this through our hospital. And in our case specifically, it was just so hard to coordinate because of how many health challenges there were. We couldn't yeah. actually meet in person. 
So right. there were, you know, some more like larger umbrella type groups of like special needs kids or develop kids with developmental disabilities or autistic kids. And you can find some of a, a bigger umbrella like that. And within that, you might be able to find, you know, a few handful of people that really get your specific type of lifestyle. And then to add to that would be find virtual support groups because yeah. I, I also know how like you're busy. You're even if you're not working outside the home, sometimes taking care of your child fills up your calendar so fast. I I remember there were some times where I'm like, I I really need to talk to a friend. I cannot get myself out of the house. Can't do it. Yep. And so video chats um, and virtual support groups that meet in a group, something like that, I found to be so, so helpful. And you can find those. There's a lot more of them now than there were back when um, we were kind of in this phase, which is really, really supportive and helpful. And sometimes your hospital or your clinic or the social worker at your particular maybe developmental clinic might have access to your resources that are very local to you. So definitely check that out. Awesome. 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 Um, and where can people find you, Parjat, if they're interested in your resources? Yeah. So yeah, I guess I should mention that. So I actually oh, have <laughs> I have a couple of workshops coming up on um, for parents actually who are parenting uh, children with medical complications on mm. how to relieve the grief and trauma of parenting a child with medical complications. So that workshop's actually coming up. And if you experienced a a traumatic experience trying to get pregnant, stay pregnant, or afterwards, then there's a second workshop for that. And I have a group program that actually encompasses all of this called Healing Hearts that I think would be fantastic. We have several moms in there right now who have children with complex medical needs who've just in a very short amount of time have had major medical issues of their own completely reverse because wow. of the uh, nervous system regulation techniques that I teach in there. And that's that's called Healing Hearts. So best place to find all of that is on my website at barijatdeshpande.com. And there's a button on the homepage that says live events. And you can check out how to join Healing Hearts or how to join some of these upcoming workshops uh, in the yeah. coming few weeks. And you're I'm sure that your podcast itself, Delivering Miracles, is a great um, resource for people as well in general. Yeah. So yeah. thank you thank so you. much. Um, Thanks so much, Parish. Thank you to all of our participants of the Learn With Less curriculum who are here listening live. And we'll continue the discussion and open up for a Q&A session with you guys in just a minute. But for everyone listening from home or on the go, thank you so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for being here. See you later. What will you do the rest of your day? Goodbye to the babies, goodbye to the toddlers, goodbye bigger kids, goodbye to the siblings, goodbye to the grown-ups, goodbye to the singers, goodbye Ayalid, goodbye to Parijat, we laughed and we played, we're getting very clever, this is what counts, being here together. Thank you so much, everyone. The Learn With Less podcast brings you information, tips, and resources about all things early parenthood and early childhood. Don't forget to download our free infant toddler development blueprint by heading to learnwithless.com blueprint today. If you haven't yet done so, please do leave a review of the Learn With Less podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. That helps other people find the good work we're doing and after you've done that, go ahead and share Learn With Less with a friend or colleague. See you next time.